few months ago, our staff sent me a, a song that you just heard, Simple Gospel. And the song captured my spirit and it shook me to my core. And they suggested we do a series around this particular song, Simple Gospel. So that's what we're kicking off today. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he gives them four truths that are still true today. And within these truths, you find the simple but yet profound gospel. What is the gospel? Is that God created heavens and earth. He sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for us. He left us his Holy Spirit to do war with the enemy. And he's coming back for a church that's together. Somebody say that's the simple gospel. Simple yet profound. Simple yet powerful. Simple but the only hope for a divided nation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is our only hope. We must share the gospel. We must do it with compassion. It must be the mission of every church if we're to see this culture change, if we're to see the church change, and if we're to be who God's called us to be so that when Jesus comes back, we are who he said we would be. It's the simple gospel so today, we're going to talk about who God is. Who God is. Who is God? Everybody in this culture has a different opinion about who God is. Who is God? Well, let's look at John chapter 14, a familiar passage that we usually read at funerals. Why do we read this particular passage at funerals? Because it brings us comfort. It gives us hope to know that our loved ones who have passed away are in a better place and that we'll see them again. But there's so much more to this text than a funeral. There's so much more in this. And we're going to walk you through that today because this particular passage of Scripture covers every base we're going to cover over the next four weeks. And this is what God's Word says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. The word believe really in the Greek means to trust in someone that's trustworthy. Because today, belief is cheap. You can believe in a God, or you can believe that Jesus was a human being, or you can just believe that there's a better life. But in the Greek, it goes far beyond just a cheap belief. It means you've got to not only believe, you've got to put your faith and your trust in that belief so that the simple gospel can change your life. It's not enough just to casually believe in something. Jesus knew that for the disciples to carry out the work, for them to be able to withstand his crucifixion and his absence from them for three days, they would need more than just a cheap belief. They would need something that was solid, that had strong roots. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. So if you believe in a God, now we've got to get specific. It's not enough just to believe in a God. You've got to also believe in me. The simple gospel. In my Father's house are many mansions. I love the King James there, many mansions. See, some of you are thinking about MTV cribs from the 90s. Or a famous person with three pools and 10,000 square feet. But it really means in the Greek, dwelling places. It means for 2,000 years, God 
God's been building your mansion. He has created a place for you to dwell that fits Him, but if He's in you, it fits you. Dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. Somebody say the rapture. Somebody say message four. To myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. See, my job is to point to the way. But Jesus had a mandate to not only show them the way, but to lead the way. And when he died, he gave us the Holy Spirit and gave us keys to the kingdom so that we could also lead the way. And it's time that the church of Jesus Christ embraced the simple gospel and we stop pointing people to the way and we start leading the way by example. It's one thing to say, this is how you get there. It's another thing to say, follow me, this is where we're going. There is a difference and you have to know the difference if you're going to share your faith. People have heard us tell them the way for years. Society is looking for a people to show them and lead the way. And it's time the church take on that responsibility. And Thomas said, I mean, imagine if I was to go into staff meeting this week and I was to say, okay, you're going to leave me, you're going to betray me, and most of you are going to doubt me, but I'm leaving and I'm not telling you where I'm going, but I will come back for you. That wouldn't go over so well. And so Jesus is going through all of this stuff and then he gets to this and Thomas Now, Thomas is the analytical disciple. They call him Doubting Thomas, but I think he just overanalyzes things and he wants clarity. This would be my Adam or Denise. You know, visionaries, we cast great vision and people that have an administrative gift want to know, okay, what exactly are you saying and how do we do it? And Thomas says, listen, Lord, We do not know where you're going. And how can we know this way? And Jesus said, I love this. I am the way. I'm not one of the ways. I am the way, the truth, the unfiltered, uncompromised truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is unadulterated truth. There is no other way. There is truth and there is untruth. There is a life that God has called us to and there is a life that ends in destruction. So in this series, The Simple Gospel, we must clarify what indeed is the simple gospel? Who is God? What has he called us to? What promises can we hold on to? And how can we as Christians lead the way? I believe we've complicated the gospel too much. 
It's profound, but it is indeed simple. Universities have been built on this simple message. Hospitals have been built on this simple message. Churches have been built on this simple message. And the message is, while we were yet sinners, in our sin, God knew every mistake you would make. He knew every bad place you would go. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says he died for our sins according to the scriptures and he got up out of the grave on the third day according to the scriptures. Jesus didn't do that because you were worthy. He did it because you were unworthy. But you become worthy when you accept this simple gospel and you accept Christ into your heart and you become righteous, not because of your own flesh, because the Bible says you are robed in his righteousness. Which means when God comes in you, when the hero within comes in you, the anointing comes on you and you are robed in his righteousness. Jesus is about to be crucified. And it says, let your heart not be troubled. The disciples were troubled. The word troubled in the Greek language is terasetho. And this word means disturbed, agitated, perplexed, worried, anxious, distressed, hurt, blocked in. Surrounded, agitated, perplexed. The simple gospel is for troubled souls. The simple gospel is for troubled people. The simple gospel is for a troubled world. The simple gospel is for a troubled nation. I want to be transparent with you this morning. I'm troubled. I'm troubled in my spirit. I'm distressed in my spirit say why Pastor Ronnie I'm troubled by 20 dead bodies in El Paso, Texas I'm troubled by people getting shot in churches all over the world I'm troubled by the current racial divide I see in this nation I'm troubled with failing schools in our own city that systematically promote racism calling it white privilege. I'm troubled that the gospel has been rejected in our nation. You say, Pastor Ronnie, what do you believe about white privilege? I believe it exists in certain segments of society. You better believe I do. I believe there are wealthy people who shut other races out. I do. Do you believe racism exists? I believe it 110%. I've seen it in this city coaching. I've seen it loving kids. I've seen it. But it doesn't have to exist in your house, and it won't exist in this house. And I don't understand everything that we're hearing and learning about. I don't know what it means to have white privilege. My grandfather was raised without a dad and a mom. He slept in a closet. He had a fourth grade education. My grandmother worked at J.C. Penney for 25 years. My other grandfather worked on the railroad. 
My grandmother wore sackcloths to church. She spent every dime she had to send her kids to college. I was married at 19, and I worked at Toys R Us, and I got a job at an insurance company, and I started on, as a temp agency and worked three months to get brought on full-time, so I had enough insurance to have my first child, and I stayed there seven years. My wife started work when she was 19. She's kept the same job and been promoted to the executive level because she works hard. She does not even have a college degree. She has an insurance license, and God has blessed her. We lived in small houses, people knocking on our doors that had been stabbed. So I don't understand what that means. I, 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 don't, I, I don't see it in my home. I don't see it in my kids. But I'm sure it exists. But it doesn't exist in my house. And it shouldn't exist in your house. I'm troubled at the porn epidemic in this country and how it's changing the lives and the minds of our students. I'm, I'm troubled. I'm troubled that we can't trust the news on either side anymore. That we can't even mourn 20 dead people for making it a political talking point. I'm troubled in my soul this morning. I'm troubled at how we judge people we've never even met. We don't even know. We never even took the time to know. The disciples felt that same way. Divisiveness had set in among them. Betrayal was coming. Denial was coming. Separation was at hand. Temptation to turn their back on their faith was in front of them. But that's not what they did. They listened. And what they listened to and believed, the simple gospel took root. A troubled world needs hope. A troubled soul needs hope. The reason the gospel message is important is because it is the only thing to fix the mess we are in. Some of you believe politics is going to fix this. It's not. The church can fix this. If we will start sharing the truth of this book with the compassion of our Savior, we will see this country change. He describes this simple gospel. He said, I say to you, who, he who hears my word and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Jesus says, listen, this is who I am. This is why I'm going. This is my promise that I'll come back for you. Here's your purpose to which I've called you to, and I'm the way. And it's, I love when it says, believe in God, believe also in me. That word, it's not just believe. It's to believe and take action. It's to receive revelation and then do something with that revelation. It's one thing to have knowledge, but it's another thing to take that knowledge that you've received and do something with it. If you know that truth sets people free, Jesus said truth will set you free. If you know that, why don't you give the truth? Why don't you share the truth? Of course, in love, that's what Jesus said to do, but we are required to give the truth to people. 
you have to do something with the revelation that God has given you from his word. It's not enough just to hope people will come to Jesus. We've got to show them the way. A troubled heart leads to questions. And questions aren't our enemy. I love what Peter, earlier in the Gospel of John, asked Jesus where he was going in the chapter before. And then earlier in the Gospel of John, the disciples were wondering which one of them was going to be sitting at the right hand of Jesus. Like, which one of us will be the most important? They still were battling flesh even then. Selfishness. The disciples thought that the kingdom that was going to be established was a political kingdom that had to do with Israel. And we do believe that Israel is God's land. It's the apple of his eye. We don't question that at all. But they did not yet understand what Jesus was trying to say to them. And I feel like sometimes in this culture, we don't really understand what Jesus did and why he was trying to speak life into this next generation. It was a continuation that started in creation. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. It was so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So the simple gospel is summarized in three statements, one verse. He says, I am the way. This is full circle from Genesis 18, where it says he is the way of righteousness and justice. That he would be the way of righteousness and justice. John 14 is the fulfillment of Isaiah 35, when it said that the soon coming Savior would be the highway of holiness. We don't talk about that. We don't talk about how a relationship with Christ is supposed to make us live clean. Many of us don't. Sometimes I don't. The Lord's convicted me that this is the way of holiness. And holiness is your personal journey with the God. It's not my job to inspect your way. It's my job to go his way. And it's your job to go his way as well. The Bible says his ways are not our ways. There's something to this word way. When the Native Americans settled into this country, there was a tribe and it was called the way. And they only had Hebrews 13 and they only had a a little bit of this verse. And they created a tribe called the way. There is a way. His name is Jesus. There is a way that seems right to a man. Psalms 116, but ends in what? Death. I mean, that's the temptation, isn't it? This feels good. This is what I feel like doing. There's a way that I feel like is best. So let's just go. But it ends in death, the Bible says. The Bible also says that his way is blameless. God's answer to Psalms 116 is, You will make known to me the path of life. And in his presence, there is what? Fullness of joy. There is a way. It's a way of love. It's a way of healing. It's a way of abundance. It's hope and it's heaven. It is also a narrow way. Narrow way is not preached much anymore. The Bible says in Matthew 7, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. 
and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few, everybody say few, few who find it. Few. There is only one way to heaven and it's Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way. Way. There's a new way. He consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. Oh, and how could you preach a message on the simple gospel without going to John 3.16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you go phrase by phrase through this particular verse, it defeats every other way. You say, prove it to me. For God defeats atheism because there is a God. So love defeats secular humanism because it says there is a God that can love you better than any human being can. The world defeats racism because it doesn't matter where you come from, what color your skin is, or even what you've done. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This defeats elitism, which means some families are better than other families. Some races are better than other races. This defeats that because God gave his best so that we could be our best. And when he died, the veil was torn and we became one. We became together. That's what God died for. That's why he sent his son, so that we might be one. That's the last thing he said to the disciples. He didn't say, man, I want you to be good Baptists. I want you to speak in tongues every day. I want you to memorize the Bible. He knew what it was going to take to defeat the prince of the air, the enemy. He said, my prayer is that you might become one. If the church ever becomes one, if we ever get together with the gospel, no weapon will be able to stop us. That whosoever, I'm not done yet. That whosoever, this defeat, sorry my Baptist friends, or some of my Baptist friends, five-point Calvinism, whosoever. This means everybody and anybody can get saved. Salvation is not for certain people. God didn't just pick his favorites from the beginning of time. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believeth in him defeats universalism that says, hey, there are multiple ways to heaven. You can go any way you want, believe in whatever you want, you be a good person. No. It's what it defeats, universalism, that you've got to believe in him. You've got to go his way because he is the way. Should not perish. Ooh. Defeats inclusion. Inclusional theology, which means there is no hell. Listen, I wish there wasn't. 
I'm thankful I don't have to pick and choose who gets to go and who don't. But I tell you, the further we get away from the gospel and the Bible, the worse our nation gets. So I think I'm just going to stick with this. That there is a hell, it's a tormenting fire, it's eternal damnation. And if you do not accept the loving Jesus who came, not that anyone would go to hell, but that we might have life and have it more abundantly. If you choose not to go that way, there are consequences. And why wouldn't there be? There are consequences for every decision we make on this earth. Everything we put in our body, every place we go. God designed us like Him. So if there are consequences for everything we do every day, why wouldn't there be consequences in eternity? But have everlasting life. And this feats defeats individualism. This means you serve a purpose greater than yourself. That it's not about me and it's not about you. That there is an everlasting life. That is the way God has called us to go. But we've shown you the way of this simple gospel. What about the truth? Many people can speak the truth, but very few of us live out the truth in a way that glorifies God. Now, the Bible says that we should speak the truth in love. But be careful to say, if we'll just say what Jesus said and do what Jesus did, that's the way of the gospel. Because like C.S. Lewis said in his book, Mere Christianity, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, was either... A liar, a lawbreaker, a lunatic, or he's Lord. If you, if you fast forward one chapter from this one, he says, fruit that doesn't abide in me will be tossed to the ground and burned. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord. He called people names, brood of vipers, hypocrites. He promised hell. He spoke out against sin. Now, he loved the sinner more than most of us, and he had compassion. When he talked to the woman at the well, before he ever gave her compassion, he said, hey, chick, you've been married five times, and the dude you're living with now is not your husband. Now, nowadays, we'd have said, man, that Jesus, why not have compassion? Because in order to give truth, you must first show them the way. And if people don't know that what they're doing is hurting them in the kingdom of God, then they won't accept the truth. I believe he's not a lunatic, he's my Lord and my Savior. And he's my friend that sticketh closer than a brother. But it says, we shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Theologically, what are some truths? Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus was and is the Son of God. Jesus was raised from the dead. Heaven is real. Hell is sure. And sin is wrong. Just to name a few. Pilate said to Jesus, are you a king? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this, because I was born. And for this cause, I've come into the world that I should bear witness to the what? Everybody say truth. Everyone who is of the truth. Everybody say truth again. 
hears my voice. Hears my voice. The truth still sets people free. You know, my father's plain spoken from Alabama. But the older I'm get, I get, I thank God that he didn't coddle me. I thank God he didn't suck up to my coaches so I could get more playing time. I thank God that when I wasn't good at something, he said, son, you got to work harder you're just not, or you're not very good at that. Nowadays, that'd be considered wrong parenting. But there's power in truth. If you keep telling somebody they're good at something that God didn't call them to do, and they miss their destiny because you're too busy coddling them in failure, what are you doing? I'm thankful for truth because the way is truth. It is truth. But it's also the simple gospel. There's a promise of life. God, through his son Jesus, is the source of life. He's the source of life. Everybody say, I want a better life. There's nothing wrong with preaching we can have a better life. But that better life is in Jesus Christ. And in him is the fullness of the Godhead. And the mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To be Southern and slang it up a little bit, there ain't no better life without Jesus. I've tried it. Take my word for it. You won't have to go through what I went through. But there ain't no better life without Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach. And it says, in his life is the light of men. He is not only the source of life, he is the abundant life. I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But right before that, he says, everybody say message two. Excuse me, message three. That the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So he says, listen, the truth is there is an enemy that wants to steal from you, rob you, kill you, and destroy you. But, ah, that's not why I came. I've already defeated him. I came so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Let me tell you, God wants to bless you. In him is the fullness of all things. God wants to do things through you and in you and for you. But you've got to know the way, you've got to receive the truth, and you've got to walk in your God-given potential and be who God called you to be. He's not only the abundant life, he is the grace life. In Hebrews, it says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, everybody say kingdom, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So there's a kingdom that God gives us after salvation. A kingdom we can walk in, prosper in, show others how to get there and how to get through certain things in their lives. There's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Kingdom is a new family, a new future, a new identity, new relationships, new opportunities. You're going to see things that other people can't see because you have Jesus on the inside of you. It's the grace life. Grace is unmerited, undeserved favor. You must understand, when you understand who God is, He is the way, the truth, and the life, grace comes. I know many of you mess up. And we should never flippantly just, till we keep on sinning so that grace may abound, forbid not, the gospels say. And Paul would say, we shouldn't keep doing the same old stuff. 
But here's the deal. If in your pursuit of the kingdom, with Jesus on the inside of you, if you venture off course or you stub your toe or, or, or you make a mistake, there, the grace of God will cover you. But it's a matter of heart. It's not only the grace life, it's the sacrificial life. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. So it's going to cost you something, this simple gospel. It's simple, but it's not cheap. Everybody say it's not cheap. Nothing worth having is cheap. It's going to cost you something. And I hate to say this to you, but that something's going to be everything. It's not just something. It's everything. And you may not be able to give it all at once, but at the end of your life, it'll amount to everything. To everything. God's looking for some people who are committed, who will rejoice as Paul would in, in their suffering, who will rejoice in their struggle, who will rejoice in their diagnosis, who will rejoice in their current situation, who won't let this enemy defeat them, that won't let the pains and the struggles of this world defeat them. God's looking for a troubled people to look to Jesus and hear from Jesus, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. My Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I prepare a place for you, I'm coming back to take you as my bride. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. It's eternity. It's not just a sacrificial life. It's eternal life. I don't believe that a six-foot hole in the ground is my destiny or yours. I believe this is just a vapor, a job interview, a quick passing through. And that we will have a mansion, a dwelling place, and we will ultimately be together with Jesus leading the way. And we win. Somebody say we win. Hallelujah. Give God a shout of victory today. Bow your head and close your eyes all over this place if you would. We're going to be baptizing and I would encourage you not to leave. I don't know if it's raining or not, but we have 11 souls on deck up there to be baptized today. Give God praise and glory for that. And we're going to be opening our altars because I believe there's at least one or two more that need to be baptized this morning. Baptism is following in the footsteps of Jesus. It's following the way because Jesus was baptized and the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit spoke said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. When we follow the Lord, when we follow the way, we're to be immersed, baptized. You said, does baptism get you to heaven? No. But I believe it gets you closer to Jesus when you obey him. But before you can be baptized, you need to accept and embrace the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you, you know a little bit of the word, you, you know church, you know religion, but you've never truly received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
you've never truly turned from your sins and said, Jesus, come into my heart. Save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And you can enter into glory. Some of you have never picked up your cross and followed after him. Salvation is not cheap. The gospel is simple, but it is profound, but it is specific as to what you need to do. And that is repent of your sins and accept Jesus Christ his love, his forgiveness, and his grace into your heart. And the Bible says if you'll do that, you'll spend an eternity in heaven. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're a sinner, if you don't have peace with God, if you need God to touch you, I'm going to lead you in this simple prayer. It's not the prayer. The prayer, this excerpt is from God's Word. It's the matter of your heart. It's the matter of your heart. If you need Jesus in your life, if you need peace, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, out of this house, pray it with me. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Please come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and use me for your glory. Run down this aisle. Y'all not wait. Y'all already be here. You need Jesus. Y'all to run down.